Well, uh, my name's Nate, and I'm super happy to be with you guys. If you have your Bible, open it to John chapter 6. John chapter 6. And uh, as you turn there, can we just give it up for our amazing worship team this morning that just crushed it? I have never heard someone play a wooden box and make it sound that good. And it was, it was good. So, uh, and all the worship team so far, you guys have been killing it. We're so thankful for you guys. And Aaron, everyone here, the volunteers, we're so thankful for you guys. Well, uh, we are talking this week about standing with the king. And uh, really the idea is who we are in Christ and then our role we play in building the kingdom of God. And that it's not just this idea of God sitting in heaven barking orders at where we should go and what we should do, but rather this communion that we can have with them, this relationship that we can have with them, that we can actually together partner with God and advance the kingdom. And we've been sort of talking about it in two parts. In the morning, we've been talking about our identity with Christ, and then in the evening, we've been talking about our role in the kingdom. And so this morning, we're going to continue on that idea of our identity in Christ. Specifically, what we're going to talk about is our identity in communion and fellowship with God. So John chapter 6 is where we're going to be, uh, beginning in verse 53. Verse 53. You guys all there? If you're there, say, I'm there. All right, it says this, Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. This is already weird, isn't it? Verse uh, uh, 57, as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead, he who eats this bread will live forever. These things he said to, him, to them in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Next section, it says this. Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can understand it? And when Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, does this offend you? Like, that does not sound like a Jesus answer, right? Jesus is like, I love you. How are you doing? You feeling? He's like, are you offended by this? Does this off-? It's like, whoa, this is intense. And then he says, what then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit, and they are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who would betray him. And he said, therefore, I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by my Father. And listen to this, how shocking the statement is. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. And then Jesus said to the twelve, do you also want to go away? But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe that and know that you are the Christ and the Son of the living God. Let's pray together and we'll talk about these 
verses. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this time that we can spend together. God, we ask that you would be our teacher in this place. You would speak to us now in your word. Lord, anoint this time. We love you. We praise you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm calling this message, if you're taking notes, you could jot this down. You ready for it? I'm calling it Headline Bling. Turn to your neighbor and say, I know what that means. You don't know what that means? Forget it. Headline bling, that's what we're calling it. You guys got to pretend that you know what I'm talking about. Hotline bling, anybody? Headline bling, that's kind of, it's at least a little clever. Give me that a little bit. All right, anyways, forget it. I don't need your sympathy. Headline bling. Our culture, we kind of live in sort of a, a headline culture. And what I mean by that is a lot of times we see information as a real catchy sort of news flash information. And a lot of times news and media is designed that way, right? It's designed to say something that'll make you go, what are they talking about? And a lot of the times the headline really has nothing to do with the storyline. The headline is something that sort of gets you to pay attention. And then as you read, you're kind of like, this isn't really what I bought into. And so uh, the reason I say that is because this text, the, the one that we just read, is perhaps one of the most obscure and alarming passages in all of Scripture. And on the surface, or the headline of this text, is real weird. The, the headline of this text, if you were to walk away after Jesus said this, what the news would be printing in like Galilee and stuff would be real weird. Now, we read this text, and we immediately associate it with communion, Correct? We hear of the, the flesh eating the flesh and drinking the blood, and we immediately associate, oh, Jesus is talking about communion. Now, the people that Jesus was talking to had never heard of communion before. Jesus had never instituted the Last Supper. He hadn't had that meal yet. He hadn't gone to the cross yet. So for them to hear this statement where Jesus goes, if you want to follow after me, you have to eat my flesh and you have to drink my blood. They'd be like, What? Like, what are you even saying? And so they would hear this. They would have no idea what he was talking about. All they would hear is cannibalism and some dude talking about ascending into heaven. That's what they would hear. The headline would read something, Jesus, flying cannibal, right, from heaven, for real or fake, you decide, right? Like, it's like flying cannibal from heaven. Like, what is he even talking about? Because we read it, we get it. We're like, oh, yeah, communion, that's cool. But they would be like, what? I don't know if I'm cut out for this cannibalism, following after Jesus. This got real weird, real fast. I'm not ready for that. And Jesus, this isn't the only time that he would make a statement that would shock the listener. Jesus was notorious for making these statements that you're like, what? Like, that's crazy. One time in Jesus' ministry, he told a huge crowd of people that if their hand caused them to sin, they needed to chop it off. What? Like, if I was listening to Jesus, I'd be like, I'm out. Like, are you crazy? Like, that's intense. Uh, another time, Jesus told a guy that if he wanted to have a relationship with God, he needed to be born again. And the guy's response, he's like, I don't think my mom would like that. <laughs> like, what, what would the headline read about that? Uh, another statement, Jesus told a crowd that if anyone wanted to be his follower, they needed to take up their cross and follow after him. Now, we hear that statement, and because Jesus died on the cross, we associate it with Jesus' death on the cross. But for the people, when Jesus would have made that statement, they didn't know that the Savior was going to die on the cross. The only association that they had with crucifixion 
was for criminals, for murderers, for, for people that deserve crucifixion. And so all of a sudden, Jesus turns to this crowd and he goes, hey, listen, I love you guys. If you want to be my follower, just take up the cross, go die, and follow me. It's like, what are you, that's crazy. And Jesus would make these statements that would cause his listeners to really scratch their head. Like, why, why would you say that? And I think a lot of the statements he would make, I wish he didn't say. Like, it would be a lot simpler if some of the statements that Jesus said he didn't say. Like, be like, that is kind of confusing and kind of weird. And if I'm standing in ancient Israel listening to this guy speak, I would be really confused. But Jesus would make these statements to grab their attention. And he made this statement, especially our statement here, he made it knowing that when people heard this statement, they would stop following after him. Look down at verse uh, uh, 64. He says, these are some of you who do not believe. And then it says, for Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who would betray him. Jesus made this statement knowing full well that some of the people that heard this statement would stop following him. That doesn't sound like Jesus. Right? Can we be honest? Like our picture of Jesus doesn't sound like a guy that would say something to offend you and cause you to walk away. He's like, does this offend you? Are you, are you, are you confused by this? Are you offended by this? And Jesus, throughout his ministry, would make these incredibly shocking statements that would cause people to have to stop and look past the headline. They would hear the headline, flying cannibal, right, from heaven. What's going on? They would hear the headline, and it would, have, it would force them to stop and dig deeper and go past the surface and think about what he was actually saying. And when we get past the surface of his statement, we can see the truth and the depth of what he's talking about and how he's not talking about cannibalism. But it's only when we stop and we scratch the surface. We go past what is on the top level. Once we say, okay, what is Jesus actually saying? And what Jesus is actually talking about is how if we choose to give him a try and follow him, he will satisfy all that we need. Jesus is saying to them, listen, if you come to me and you follow me and you taste of me, you will see that I have everything that you need. This, 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 the headline would be like, what? The, the, the storyline is saying, if you follow me, you will have all that you need. He's saying that his love for us is so deep and so wide and so amazing that if we would just give all to him, he would give to us all of himself. And he is all we need. I love that we sang that song this morning. Christ is enough for me, right? Everything that I need is found in him. That's what Jesus is saying. He's like, all that you could ever possibly need is found in a relationship with Jesus. He is all that we need, but we have to give him a try. We have to give him a taste. Psalm chapter 34, verse 8, it says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. It says, taste and see that the Lord is good. When we actually give Jesus a try, he will give us all we could possibly need. But the thing is, we have to actually give him a try. Have you ever met those types of people that say they hate certain types of food, and then you find out that they've never actually eaten that type of food? They're like, I hate it. And you're like, well, have you ever tried it? They're like, well, no. Look, how could you hate it? You never tried it. Like, you can't. I'll give it to you if you've tried it and you hate it. But if you've never experienced it, how could you know that you hate it? And God's saying, Jesus is saying, 
if you actually take the time to get to know me, if you actually taste and see what I have to offer you, if you actually have a relationship with me, you will experience all that you could ever ask or need. And Jesus says, if you will come with me and you'll get past the surface of what I say and you will spend time getting to know me, you will see that I have all that you need. And he's saying simply knowing him is all that we need. Now, many people view relationship with God as a way to get things from God. In fact, the people that Jesus is speaking to in the text that we just read, were following him, looking for what they could get from him. Earlier in the chapter, we have the miracle where Jesus feeds 5,000 men. We're told that with five pieces of bread and two fish, he, he feeds 5,000 people, or 5,000 men plus the women and children. And from that, this huge crowd gathers, the 5,000 and more, they begin to follow after him, and now they're following him, hoping to get more from him. You're in John 6, uh, verse uh, 50, look up at verse 30. It says this, the people that were following him after he performed the miracle, verse 30, it says, therefore they said to him, what sign will you perform then, then that we may see it and believe you? What work will you do? Our fathers ate manna in the desert, as is written. He gave them bread from heaven. He says, what are you going to give us? What do you got for What trick do you have for us? Hey, come on, Jesus, that was real cool with the bread and the fish. What else you got? The message Bible says, show us what you can do. Hey, show us what you got. Jesus, impress us. Give us something. And many people follow after Jesus looking for what they can get from him, whether it's blessing or whether it's purpose or whether it's, it's uh, money or whether it's relationship. They look, for God, look to God simply for what they can get out of God. And Jesus tells them that they, all they need is a relationship with him. He, he, he makes this statement to shock them, but to get them to stop and think and realize that what they need is not what he can give them, but simply knowing him. And his grace and it is so good and his mercy is so new and his love so transforming that all we need is to know him. And Jesus is teaching us that all we could ever need is found in him. He satisfies all that we need, which is amazing because we live in a culture that's never satisfied. We're always looking for more. We're always looking for new. What's next? What's the next big thing? And we're constantly looking for those things. And so Jesus, he makes this shocking statement that would cause us to scratch our heads. But if we go beyond the surface, we'll see that he has all that we need. And if we take time to get to know him, and we take time to walk with him, we will see that he is what we're looking for. And maybe you're here this morning or this week because you've been looking for something. Maybe you're here because you're like, oh, there's this real cute girl here, and if I, you know, have a relationship with God, then I can get the girl. Maybe you're here because you're trying, I haven't found where I fit in the world, and maybe this will be the answer for me. Let me tell you that Jesus is what you need. Jesus can satisfy all Everything that you need, knowing Jesus is what you were designed for. Knowing Jesus was what you were made for. Knowing Jesus is why you are here this morning, this week, because God has a plan for you, and knowing him is what he wants for you. 
And so Jesus in this text, he's calling us to identify ourselves with him so he, we can experience the fullness of what he desires for us. Because God does want to give us things. God, he has a desire in, this, in the text. He gave them food. He has a desire to give to them. But more than that, he has a desire to know them. But when we're in this relationship with him, there are things that God wants to give to us. Because we serve a God that loves to give to us. And when we identify ourselves with him, he will give to us. So with our time left, I want to give you a few forms of identification that Jesus calls for us from this text that will allow us to experience the fullness of what he has for us. Does that that sound good? Three things that you could jot down and we'll be done. You with me? All right, cool. First point, you can jot this down if you're taking notes. If you have your phone, you could jot it down there. Anywhere that will help you remember it. Because I know I'll listen to something in church, and if I don't write it down, I will totally forget about it by the time I get food in my system. So write it down. Hopefully you'll remember. First point, Jesus calls for radical identification. Jesus calls for radical identification. A lot of people want to follow Jesus or claim to follow Jesus, and they begin to follow after him. They want all the good things that is promised to those that follow after him, satisfaction, blessing, purpose, acceptance, all those beautiful things that are promised to the believer. They follow him until things start to get uncomfortable or difficult or tedious or inconvenient, and there's this desire to follow after God, but then as soon as it goes not according to the way you thought it would go, people often give up. They're like, yeah, following God. And then it's like, this is, this is kind of boring. I'm like church every Sunday. Like that's kind of a lot. Like reading the Bible. I've been reading the Bible and I'm not really understanding. This is kind of getting, I don't, I don't get it. Or, or, or maybe they're, they believe and a tragedy happens in their life. Something horrible happens. And they're like, this is not the God that I signed up for. This is not my understanding of what a relationship with God was going to look like. And as soon as it starts to go uh, uh, the way they don't want it to go, they kind of get over it. The disciples that heard Jesus make this statement, rather than taking the time to understand what he meant beyond the surface, they get discouraged because it's a hard saying. Jesus makes this statement, and rather than going, okay, maybe God has something more in this statement that he wants me to understand. Maybe there's a purpose in this statement that I'm not seeing right now. And instead of doing that, they say, this is a hard saying. Who could understand it? The idea of hard saying, it means rough or offensive or intolerable. They were offended by the statement that Jesus made. Put some perspective on who Jesus was in the ministry that he did. We don't, we don't picture Jesus of saying things that would offend us. And he makes a statement, and they're offended. They're saying, how, how dare you, Jesus? Why, why would, how could you say such a thing? And once they heard of the difficulty, once they hear Jesus make this statement, we're told that many of them give up and walk away. Like, who can understand this? This isn't for me. This is too tough. This is too difficult. This is too confusing. This is too weird. I don't get it. And once they heard the difficulty, they gave up. But Jesus never told us following him would be easy. But he does promise that it will be worth it. And he makes this statement knowing that it's going to be shocking. But knowing that if you go beyond it, if you go beyond what he's saying and actually understand what he means, you'll realize that he's calling us to radical identification with him. 
that beyond difficulty, beyond uh, uh, suffering, beyond confusion, beyond trials, we need to stop and say, okay, God is calling me to walk with him no matter what I'm going through. And we know that we are with the king and he walks with us through those things. The Bible says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because he is with me. He's not watching me. He's with me. So we need to understand that when difficulty comes, it's worth moving forward. And these people, they, they give up. And so many of us are cool with following Jesus when it's convenient. It's easy. Let me tell you something. It's easy to follow Jesus at camp. It's really easy. One, because we have awesome leaders that are going to make sure you don't do anything stupid. Secondly, we have forced Bible reading time. Third, we have Bible studies and worship every single day. <laughs> like, right, it's like so easy. Like, we wake up, oh, yeah, I'm going to read my Bible because I have to. Like, oh, I'm going to go to church every day because I have to. Like, it's so easy to follow God at camp. But when you leave this mountain, you have to go home with you and God, and you have to learn to walk with him outside of this place. You have to learn to take this back down the mountain. And when you get back down, it's not as easy as this. There's going to be difficulty. There's going to be persecution. There's going to be judgments. There's going to be hard times. And we have to realize that although it might be difficult, it is definitely worth it. And Jesus calls us to radical identification with him, that we are willing to go through those difficulties because he was willing to go through the difficulty on our behalf. We have to be radical. We have to be passionate. We have to be committed. We have to be all in. We have to determine that we're going to follow Jesus regardless of the situation in life. He calls for radical identification. Second point, you ready? Jesus calls for complete identification. Complete identification. The whole point for this statement that Jesus makes is to get us to see our need for him, our need for all of him. He's telling us that if we take all of him, he will give us all of himself. But we have to take uh, him as he is and take all that he has to give us. We have to take Jesus. The beautiful thing is Jesus takes us as we are. Isn't that an amazing thing? That God takes you flaws, insecurities, difficulties and all. He loves you, everything included, just come on. But the same thing is true is we have to learn to accept all of Jesus. We have to be willing to, to walk with him and follow all that he has to give us. And he makes these statements to see if people are willing to stick around long enough to actually learn what he's saying. And to see if they will stick with him even when it seems odd. After the people say that uh, Jesus said is a hard saying, Jesus gives us, again, the most really un-Jesus uh, slash classic Jesus answer. Like, seriously, it's so like, that's not Jesus, but it's totally Jesus. And he says it in verse 61. He goes, uh, when he knew that they were, they were complaining about this, he goes, does this offend you? Are you offended? What then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. Uh, the flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit, and they are life. But there are some of you who do not believe, and those people left. <laughs> he, he gives this response that's so confusing. But Jesus wants to know if the people will follow him, even if what he is saying they don't understand in that moment. So many people treat following Jesus like a buffet line. 
You know what I'm saying? Like they walk through and they're like, oh, this part of Jesus is awesome. I want some of this on my plate. But uh, I don't really care for uh, Brussels sprouts. So no thanks, Jesus. I'll, you can keep that. I'll take the meat and the potato. Like, right, we, there's parts of Jesus that we love. And there's other parts that are like, huh, like radical identification, complete surrender. Like, you really, you want, I have to give up all of myself? Like, I don't know if I like that part. That seems, a little, that seems a little inconvenient for me. I'll give to you when I feel like it, thank you very much, and you can have sort of my leftovers. I don't like that part of Jesus that's calling me to radical and complete identification, so I'll pick and choose the parts that I do like that make me feel good, and what we do is we create our own God because we decide that Jesus actually, uh, that was cute, Jesus, but that, that's not enough for me. I'm going to do my own thing. This area of my life, you're a little, that's old news, Jesus. You were like, how many, like 2,000 years ago? Come on, things have changed. This part is still good. I'm going to create my own way of following him. And people, they, they pick and choose the things that they like and they don't like. But we have to follow Jesus when it makes sense and when it doesn't make sense. What we do when he calls us, uh, or what do we do when he calls us to something we don't understand? What do we do when we have to walk through something that we can't wrap our head around, that we think, wait a second, my understanding of Jesus loves me and he died for me and he wants to give me things and he wants to bless me. How come he took this away? How come he took this relationship away? How come he took this family member away? How come he made me move from here to there? How come he took this friendship away? How come, and we go, I, I don't fully understand why this is happening. And it's easy to partially follow Jesus, certain times, certain days, certain settings. But total surrender to Jesus? I don't know about that. I'll give Jesus parts of my life. He can have the parts I don't like or use. I'm not really using that. Here you go, Jesus. But Jesus is showing us that if we take all of him, he will give us all of him. If we say, okay, Jesus, I want all of you, and I'm going to surrender my whole life to you, and I'm going to give you all of me because you have surrendered all of yourself for my sake, here you go, Jesus, take it all. So he calls us for complete identification. You still with me? All right, last point, here we go. Jesus calls for genuine identification. Jesus calls for genuine identification identification. Now, after Jesus made this statement, people actually stopped following him, which that part of the story to me is the most shocking, I think. Jesus made this statement knowing that some people would, but I got to imagine he was still a little surprised when people did. I would want to believe that, that the people would hear this message, and Jesus, I mean, he's God, he knows everything. But there's got to be like an ounce of him going like, please, please, please don't leave. Please don't leave. Please don't leave. Like stick around. See that I have all that you need. Just, just wait. Just stick around. Just. But people actually left. They're like, I can't. I can't do it. And people left. Those people, they couldn't get over the headline and, and actually look into what he was saying. And so they decided that they couldn't handle it. That's what verse 66 says, that from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Not just people that were around, but people that were his disciples, people that were following him, people that were already identifying themselves with him. And they left. Many people went back. They stopped following him. Have you ever had somebody unfollow you on social media? 
doesn't it make you question your like whole existence? You're like, what did I post that was so offensive to you that you went to my page and hit unfollow? Now, side note, if you have the app that tells you when people unfollow you, we'll have people in the front to pray with you after service, like because that's not healthy. But, but, the feeling, you know what I'm saying, the feeling of, of somebody going like, oh, I don't like this anymore, like, that hurts, it hurts, I and mean, even on like, yeah, so what, I'm being a little vain, but it hurts, and it's like, that's, that's not very nice. Now, Jesus, he has this whole group of people leave him, all he's left with is the 12, and Peter's the one talking, and I gotta imagine, Peter got a little annoying at times, maybe there were some really cool people in this new group, and he's like, come on, stay, Peter, you can, right, like, who knows, but people left, and i got to imagine that that wouldn't feel good. But when someone, you know, we feel this way, it, it, it's, it's disappointing. You begin to question, like, everything you've ever posted and thought, and, and it's really, it's kind, of, it's kind of sad. And Jesus makes this statement on purpose, knowing that people would leave. He made it on purpose. He's like, okay, I know that there are some people here that are following me for not genuine reasons. He says, I know it. I'm God. I understand it. And he makes this statement. And the people that were following him for these ingenuine reasons, they would leave. <laughs> Jesus is saying, yeah, I know the guys that are, that are fake or for real. And uh, I'm going to make this shocking statement, one that we would understand that he has everything that we need. But partially it says he knew that people were going to leave. He understood that when he made this statement, people were going to walk away. Because listen, this is so important. Jesus wasn't looking for fans. He was looking for followers. He, he, he wasn't looking for people that were like, oh, Jesus is so cool. Like, yeah, I follow him. Like, yeah, he did this crazy miracle one time. I was there. It's so awesome to hear about Jesus. He's so cool. He wasn't looking for that. He wasn't looking for fans. He was looking for people that would willingly, radically, and completely, and genuinely identify themselves with him. There were people that wanted something from him or wanted things, uh, you know, maybe street cred for them because they were hanging out with Jesus. They were rolling with him. And Jesus makes a statement to get them to understand, listen, I don't want fans. I want followers. I don't want you guys to just from a distance think like, oh, yeah, that person's cool. He wanted people that would actually get to know him, walk with him, be in relationship with him. He didn't need a fan club. He needed people that were willing to get on his side and follow him no matter what, what and work with him to build the kingdom of heaven. That's what he was looking for. You know, our culture a lot of times promotes being ingenuine. Right? I mean, it's really, it's an Instagram filter. It's this thing that makes our life look so much better than it actually is. You know those people don't really live like that, right? like the ones that are constantly on vacation, that's not real. It can't be real. Like they, they, they go on one trip, they take a zillion photos, they post it throughout the year and make you feel horrible about your life because you're at home watching Keeping Up with the Kardashians, right? Like that, that's, but our culture, it promotes this. And it's this idea of really show our best and hide the rest, right? That, that's kind of the thing. Except on Snapchat. Snapchat, you see people as they really are. And it's hilarious. Anyways... Right, this, this, our whole culture promotes this sort of being 
being ingenuine. Really, be the person you wish that you were. That's the idea. Be the person that if people could not actually know you and just see things about you, be that person that you can convince them that you're much cooler than you actually are. But because of this society we're growing up in, it affects how we follow Jesus. It affects it. And what happens is we end up with fake Jesus followers. They're following Jesus because it's cool, it's a trend, or to please our parents, or to try to date some person, or make ourselves feel better on Sunday for what we did Friday night. And there's so much ingenuine uh, that, that we live like in our relationship with God. It's really to, to convince ourselves or to convince somebody else that we have something that we don't really have. And so Jesus, he makes this statement to get us to understand, listen, guys, I want you to actually be my follower. I want to actually get to know you. And Jesus, he, he makes this statement to weed out these fans from the followers. He doesn't need people to fake it. Now, this doesn't mean, and this is so important, this doesn't mean that we can't come to God with our doubt or our insecurities and that we have to be perfectly manicured in our lives in order to have relationship with God. That's not what he's saying at all. If you have issues, Jesus wants you to come. If you have doubts, Jesus wants you to come. If you have insecurities, Jesus wants you to come. But what he doesn't want is you to pretend that you have it together when in reality your life is falling apart. And Jesus, he, he wants us to understand that it is about being real and following after him. He wants people that are willing to identify themselves with him. Not because they want something from him, but because they want to know him. And they know that their life is incomplete without him. That's what Peter says, the best answer. Verse 67, we'll close here. Then Jesus said to the 12, do you also want to go away? He's like, you guys too? Have I offended you so much that you're sick of me also? And Peter, he goes, Lord, to whom shall we go? Listen to this. You have the words of eternal life. In other words, you have what we actually need. You have what we're actually looking for. Not what always feels good, not what always makes sense, not what always comes natural, but you have what we actually need. And then he says, also we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. He says, we found God. We found Jesus who loves us exactly as I am. We found Jesus who cares about us. We found Jesus who's willing to work with us and walk with us. Where else are we going to go to find that kind of satisfaction and that kind of love and that kind of purpose and that kind of design and that kind of destiny and all of that? Where, where else are we going to go? He says, Jesus, you have what we need. And they said, we're going to follow you. Peter wasn't after food. He wasn't after some miracle that would be a temporary fix. He wanted a relationship with the living God. And that is what, Je with, that is what Jesus offers us today. If anybody wants to follow after him, we must eat his flesh and we've got to drink his blood. And what he means by that is you have to take all of me exactly as I am. And if you choose to radically and completely 
and genuinely follow after me, I will give you everything that you could ever need. But we've got to be willing to follow him like that. We're going to do something real cool this morning. We're going to partake of of communion together. And so I'm going to invite the worship team back up here. And uh, because what Jesus is saying, he's not directly speaking about communion here. Because again, communion didn't exist when he made this statement. That they had no idea, no understanding of what communion was. But this idea of taking all of him is displayed for us on the cross. And communion points us to the cross. And so what we're going to do is we're going to partake of communion together. We're going to remember the cross. We're going to think about the cross. We're going to be reminded of how Jesus bore our sins, and gave all of himself for us. And we're going to pray that this morning that God is going to point things out in our lives and he's going to make us want to completely surrender to him. Because that's what God wants from you. He wants a relationship. He doesn't want anything from you. He just wants to know you. You ever had a friend like that? That, that I love, especially being in ministry, there's a lot of people that you have relationship with that want something from you. And a lot of times it's not bad things. It's a good thing, whether it's prayer or whether it's, you know, just your time or, or conversation, whatever. But it's awesome for me as a, as a high school pastor, getting to know those people that don't want anything from me, they just want to hang out with me. My wife and I, a few weeks ago, we had an opportunity to go to a family's house for dinner from our church. And you would think your pastor goes over to, like, people's houses all the time for dinner. It doesn't happen that often. And these people invite us, and we had such an awesome time because we realized they didn't want anything from us. They just wanted to know us, and they wanted to bless us. And Hannah and I went away like, that was amazing. And there's something about knowing people that just like you, right? They just want to know. They don't want anything from you. They don't want, they don't want anything except for, yeah, I like you, and this is cool. Like, we should hang out. Some, like, that, it's so, and that's what God wants. He doesn't want anything from you. He just wants to know you. And so I'm going to ask the band to lead us in a song. As they do, uh, the guys in the back are going to pass out the communion elements, grab them, and hold on to them, and we're going to partake of them together. Sounds good? All right, let's pray, and the band's going to lead us. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word, God. We thank you how much you love us. Lord, we thank you that all of these points that we learned this morning about us identifying ourselves with you, you've done for us. You radically identified yourself with us. You completely identified yourself with us. You genuinely identified yourself with us. And we thank you that you never call us to do anything that you haven't done before. And so, Lord, I pray that this morning we would bow our knee. We would completely surrender to you. If we're holding on to things in our life that we need to let go, maybe we're going through something difficulty and we're thinking about giving up. Maybe we, are, uh, uh, we have, haven't completely accepted you as you are. Or maybe we haven't completely given us as we are. We're sort of pretending or, or faking something. Or maybe we've been ingenuine. We lift our hands, but we don't mean it. We sing the songs, but we don't mean it. We pray, but we don't mean it. Lord, I pray that right here, right now, we would surrender to you. We would radically and completely and genuinely identify ourselves with you. And I want to ask, eyes closed, heads bowed, perhaps that's you this morning. 
Perhaps you're here and maybe you're going through something difficult. Or, or, or maybe you're, you're, you're just here because you're like, I don't know what else to do. Or maybe you're here because you're like, my parents t- are telling me to come here and I guess I have to and i got to please them. And you here this morning want to completely surrender your life to God. You want to say, I, I, I want all of God because he gave all of himself for me. You want to say, yeah, I want to genuinely follow after him. No more faking it, no more pretending, no more acting, because we're so good at playing the part. We know when to raise our hands. We know what to say when we're talking to uh, somebody in a spiritual authority. But maybe we've realized that this isn't real. It's not real for me. And maybe this morning you want to make it real. If that's you, could you raise up your hand so I could pray for you? Thanks, God. Thank you, Lord. Thanks, Jesus. Anyone else you're saying, yeah, there's areas that I need to surrender to you. Thank you, Lord. Thanks, God. God, you're so good. Thank you, 